Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Faith Strong. This is Miranda Hughes here. And I don't know, good morning, good afternoon, good night. I don't know where you're tuning in from. But for me, it is morning, but I haven't gone to bed yet. Um, This is a very important message that God wanted me to crank out for this episode. And I just finished it. So bear with me because it's pretty raw. Um, But the title of this episode is called God and Revenge. Kind of seems fitting since the world is very chaotic right now as I hate to say it usual but even more than usual since the whole war has been broken out between Russia and the Ukraine um, area over there. So it's not really a fun issue or topic really to talk about but For me personally, because Faith Strong is based off of, you know, my faith in God and how I put my faith in God first, um, you know, a lot of the way that I handle my life and the decisions that I make, they really do stem from the trust that I've built and established from believing in God and relying on God to get me through any and all circumstances. And something that you know, he's really showed me over the last, I would say seven months is, you know, I thought I was a very forgiving person and I am, I can be to an extent, (laughs) but God just kind of put me in a season where my faith was so tested. Um, my living situations are completely not what I'd like for them to be, but I've learned to be content with where I'm at and who I'm around and, to really fully embrace the situation and not run from it, but really learn from it. And it's been a lot, you know, easier said than done, but I'm glad that, you know, looking back that God allowed me to have this opportunity to share with you what all I learned and, you know, how I went about it. And so when it comes to God and revenge, you know, I'm currently literally in this moment going through a situation where, someone's done me wrong really, really bad. And it breaks my heart. It hurts. And there's been many days, and I mean, many days, many nights where I'm just asking God, like, when, when are you going to get this person back? When are you going to correct things? When are you going to Um, make it happen? When am I going to see that this person has changed? When am I going to see that this person, you know, is basically getting to them what they deserve. And I don't hate this person, but there was like, I struggled for the longest time being able to forgive them, being able to be compassionate for them or on them. And that was something that God had to really teach me because, you know, this is someone who's really close to me and I love them dearly. I really do. But at the same time, they, that person specifically is going through their own warfare, their own lifestyle changes, their own issues, their own struggles. And the way that they're handling it is not the most mature route. It's not the most, you know, efficient route. It's not even the most godly route at all. And that's why to me, it made no sense why God had me live with this person because I'm thinking, God, we are like night and day. Like we have been fighting a whole lot. We used to be really close and it's not comfortable. It's not fun. Like 
I just want out of here. And God is like, you know, he just kind of reminded me that to be a servant of God, to really serve, to be a leader, you have to be able to serve. You have to be able to put others first other than yourself. And it's not just your needs. It's also, um, you know, just being able to pick up and identify when someone is in need and they're not asking, like their pride is too big or they're too afraid or, you know, basically if you think about a child, there's some children that will just, they want your help on everything and anything. And then there's some children who are so shy or they're just very, they get frustrated easily, but they don't really know how to ask for help. And as adults, it kind of transcends into that. You know, we have people that are very prideful and they don't want to admit that they're wrong. They don't want to admit that they don't know what they're doing. They don't want to admit that they need help. Um, They may not even know to what degree of help that they need, but they know that changes need to be made, but they don't want to let other people in close enough to help them make those changes possible. And so that's why, you know, when you are dealing with someone that you really greatly love, but yet you see them struggling and you have the answers, you have the time, you have the energy and the effort and you have the resources to help this person and they just keep shutting you down and shutting you out and the situation gets worse, you know, it gets really, really hard. And, you know, God still calls us to, calls us to serve. He still wants us to have... I forget what verse it is, but he's talking about do not get weary in doing good. Like, don't get tired of being a good person. Don't get tired of behaving like a child of the king or a child of God. You know, don't get tired. Like, you you can be tired, but don't allow the tiredness to prevent or stop you from being who God has called you to be. You know, a leader, a servant, um, you know, a willing vessel to make someone, to be a blessing to someone else. Um, They're going to, that person may hurt you. They may mistreat you. They may push you away, but that's because, you know, again, God says that perfect love casts out fear. So if this person hasn't accepted Christ, if they don't know who Christ is, if they haven't accepted Christ, but they do know who he is, or maybe they just fallen off the the wagon there and they just kind of like, you know, have to get back on track and they have to catch up and God's taking them through a process of basically rebuking them and (laughs) correcting them. And you're just kind of there and you're supposed to be loving them and helping them, but not really like forcing them to change. Excuse me. That is so extremely hard. It really is. And this is like families who are dealing with, um, all kinds of situations, but just to name a few so you can understand what I'm talking about to what degree. Um, imagine, you know, um, families that are struggling with someone who's dealing with drug addiction or alcoholism, someone who's dealing with chronological lying, or someone who is just in so much self-denial about how they are, um, They may create problems when there really are no problems or they just they allow the world to overcome them with the stresses that naturally come in the world and they just amplify them because they don't know how to handle their own stress and their own anxiety and they may lash out on everyone just because they're in a bad mood (laughs) 
And just dealing with these kind of people, you know, it takes a lot of effort, a lot of heart, and a lot of a lot of God and prayer and energy to be supportive of these people and to really see them through and to, to keep going day in and day out. So you're going to have to have a lot of patience. You're going to have to learn how to be super compassionate. And it's hard. And it, it broke me down to a point where I finally had to ask God, you know, I was just like lying flat on the floor on my stomach. I was just laying there and I was just crying. And I was like, God, I, I give up. I don't give up on you. I don't give up on, you know, trying to make the situation better. But Lord, I need answers. Like I need to know what am I doing wrong? Why is the situation not changing? Like, I, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Like I'm about, I'm, I've pretty much hit my breaking point. Like either you step in and do something or I'm going to do something that's not very godlike. And it's like, because I'm getting fed up and it's like, I want to see results. And also during this time frame, God had to really teach me how to truly be still and how to rest in his presence, even while I'm working and even while I'm waiting to not be worried or stressed or overwhelmed when I don't see the changes that I desperately desire to see to take place. And when they don't happen, um, how to keep being strong and being in prayer and being reliant on God, even while dealing with, um, someone who's dealing with alcoholism, you know, and the the hardest part about this is because, especially for me on this, because I've already overcome this. This is something that I used to personally struggle with for, I want to say three to five years, maybe six tops. But I did eventually overcome it, but not on my own. It was not at all on my own strength. It was through God. It was through prayer. It was being obedient to him every time he told me to put the bottle down, don't go to the bar, quit drinking. Like, it took a while. And um, so, again, I don't know what this person's going through. And on the outside, it looks like this person has no reason to be drinking whatsoever, other than the fact that maybe they just picked up the bottle one day and just couldn't put it down because they, they desired a craving over time for it. So now they have an addiction. Um, I notice this person anytime, you know, crap hits the fan, they just want to go drink to their heart's content. And this person's been doing really good. And then they backslid and now it's kind of like, okay, God, I'm trying to learn how to be like you. And I don't know how much more I can take of this because it's like, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you can continuously, unconditionally love someone over and over and over knowing that they're going to lie to you or betray you or turn their back against you, knowing that they're going to do what they want to do regardless of how many times you warn them of what's to come if they don't change their ways. Like, I don't think I actually have the capacity within my heart to love that person on that level. And God actually told me, you're right, because that person needs God. They need me, but only to an extent. Just like the people that you're dealing with in your life, they need you. But again, only to an extent, because even you and myself, we're not God. We can be as loving as can all get out. We can be super supportive. 
we can have all the money in the world to go to whatever program that it is that they need to get the help, the professional help that they need. But when that person is struggling on the level that they are because they don't know God or they don't know how to build a relationship with God, um, they tend to make very worldly decisions throughout their life. And it comes at a very high cost. Um, and most oftentimes it's the people who love them the most that end up getting hurt the most in the process. So because of that, you know, it just, it, it took a huge toll on my life. Um, there was so much going on that I tried explaining this to this person, but this person just doesn't grasp fully the weight of this person's actions on my life. And I feel like it's just God's telling me that it's time to just kind of walk away or it's time to just let it go and let God deal with the rest. Let the chips fall where they may. Um, it's not that I don't love this person. It's not that I don't care about them. It's just there is, to an extent, only so much that I am physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually capable of doing for this person. And that applies to you as well. Like there's a reason God is not going to allow you or myself to be the savior in this person's life because we're not God. We're not Jesus. Jesus is the one who came to this earth to be the savior and he did it. And now it's up to us and the people that we talk to about Jesus to be the ones to decide if they're going to choose Jesus you know, when they face the temptations, when they um, are getting into relationships, when they are making, you know, costly decisions, like it's up to them to choose, are they going to follow God or are they going to follow their own will and fleshly desires? And whatever they get wrapped up in, you know, yeah, there's going to be people on the side, on the sidelines who get affected by it. But the beautiful thing about all of this is that, you know, God even showed me that it's not too late for anyone. And basically all in all is God, him and his mysterious ways, he can do the impossible and turn it to possible. It's going to take a lot of prayer, maybe some good chunks of time. But this person is not a lost cause. None of them are. The ones that end up passing away because of their addiction or because they turn, they'd rather be homeless instead of, you know, getting their life together because they're too prideful or they don't want to. And there's nothing wrong about homeless people. I love them. I would love to help each and every one of them. But the problem with them is. Some people are so prideful with the way that they're caught up in their own problem that they don't realize how many people are really in their life to really help them. So that's something you can't, that's their perspective, that's their prerogative. You can't change that no matter how much you talk to them, no matter how much you try to explain it. You just kind of have to let, it's one of those situations or circumstances in someone's life where you have to allow them to live out the answer to live out the perspective. And that's what's taken me such a long time to learn. Because when you love someone, you really want the best for them, you you just want them to have 
the best in life in general. And that's a natural thing because God put that there. So what does God say? You know, like I said, I wasn't really intending on going this route, but this is God's platform. He gave it to me, but he's speaking to you through me and I allow him to say whatever he wants to say. And so this is what he wants to talk about is the revenge of it. Like you might have a lot of resentment or a lot of anger towards this person because they did do you wrong or they screwed you over or they forgot about you. They lie to you or they're lying to themselves and they're getting themselves in a deeper, you know, bigger hole. And there's not really much you can do to stop it, control it or change it. And they don't want to listen to you and they want to continue doing their own thing in their own way. And it breaks your heart. But at the same time, you kind of want, you want to see change. You want to see something good happen. So this is what God says about revenge. He says, um, these aren't really in any specific order. I just wrote down what I feel was fitting for this episode So what God says about revenge is in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So what does avenge mean? It means inflict harm in return for what was done to you, getting someone back. So, and then vengeance means punishment inflicted or retribution exacted for an injury or wrong. Again, kind of like payback. So punishment, getting paid back to that person that it's owed to. So I'm going to reread this again, but this time kind of saying it in a little different way so that you can maybe understand it better. Beloved, let's see. Never avenge or inflict harm on yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Punishment is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Romans twelve nineteen. So there you have it. Like, you know, as much as you want to correct this person, as much as you want to change this person, you can't really do that. That is God's doing and not yours, so... In this situation, this is why, you know, you got to seek God in prayer and you really have to acknowledge that he's the one that's capable of doing this change in this person's life and not you. And even though that's kind of hard to accept, once you can accept it, it does make um, prayer a lot easier and it makes accepting the situation that you're in a lot easier too because you know that God is going to do it. You know that he's responsible for, you know, basically karma, who gets what for what they do. Um, Another verse is in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35. Vengeance is mine and recompense for the time when their foot shall slip for the day of their calamity is at hand and their doom comes swiftly. So what does recompense mean? It means make amends to someone for loss or harm suffered. Compensate. And calamity. What does that mean? An event causing great and often sudden damage or distress, a disaster. And then the last one is swiftly. 
which is at high speed quickly. So again, I'm going to reread this, but this time using different words, just so it might make a little more sense to those of you who don't understand. Um, punishment is mine and making amends for the time when their foot shall slip for the day of their distress or disaster is at hand and their doom comes quickly. So yeah, God is saying in this that punishment is his is he's going to give out punishment to who it belongs to and who deserves to get that in his eyes. Um, if he's given someone years to get their life together and they're not doing it, he's probably going to, you know, ma basically make them pay up. He's going to be like, all right, your time's up. I've sent multiple people into your life. I've done everything I can to get you to wake up. I've done everything I can to shake you, um, to make your not world like, you know, a horrible place, but basically to make it so uncomfortable to the point where you would just have no other choice but to turn back to God or to turn to God if you never had God in your life. Um, and if this person isn't doing that, then they're going to, you know, basically experience God's wrath. Um, they're going to get the punishment that they deserve for um, not believing in God or for not basically being on track with God when they knew they were supposed to. Um, and then the other one is recompense, you know, so that is making amends to someone for loss or harm suffered um, and compensate. So with that one, you know, if you think about it, God's saying that, you know, the punishment part is his, but he, and a lot of people don't talk about this, but so is the making amends. So like, the person who did you wrong, God's responsible for putting it in that person's, uh, putting it in that person's mind or putting it in that person's heart to go talk to you, to apologize, to send that letter, that text, uh, to meet up with you in person. Like God's in charge of that too. Like he, you know, is the author and finisher of everything. He's has everyone's stories written out and, he knows what's going to happen next and he knows what a person can bear and what someone can't. He also knows that if someone needs to hear an apology, he's going to make it happen. And I think a lot of people don't think like that. I don't think we talk about this very much. We just kind of look at it like, well, they're supposed to, or they should. And it's like, yeah, but if you look at it further, God is literally saying in Deuteronomy 32, chapter 32, verse 35, that not only is punishment or vengeance his, but also recompense. Also the making amends stage as well, that part of it. Because while this person's foot is slipping, the day of their destruction is at hand, meaning it's like now, and their doom comes very quickly. So God's in control and in charge of quite a bit there. And like I said, there's... <coughs> excuse me, there's some things that we can do about it and there's majority of it. No, we cannot. Even if we love someone full heartedly, if this person is disobeying God, if this person is not turning back when they should, if this person is kind of testing God and they're just like 
or not even testing, but if they're just in disbelief where they don't think God's really going to do anything because they just, they haven't experienced the wrath yet, it's coming to them. And then for the person who's making a, uh, waiting for the person to get amends made with them, um, God's not going to let them down. Like God at the right appointed time, the person who did you wrong, or even myself, that person will come up to you and they will apologize. It may not be face to face, but they will, if God knows that your heart longs for that and it needs to know that that person's sorry, that things need to be made right, God's going to, he loves you so much, he's going to make sure that that person who did you wrong is one, going to know that they did wrong. Second, (laughs) that he's going to give them that um, confidence to go speak to you, whether it be in person and text, email, phone call, Zoom meeting, whatever, just running in person um, and meeting each other. God's going to set up an appointed opportunity and time for you to get that, for you to get that, that type of closure. I'm not talking closure where you're going to talk for like hours on end, but at least an opportunity where, you know, this person is going to reach out to you out of the blue and they're just going to be like, I am so sorry. Like, I don't even know where to begin, or I don't know why I was acting like that, or I don't know what was going on with me, but I am so super sorry you know, could we please start over? Or, you know, could you please forgive me? Could you please, you know, da, 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 whatever it is that they were supposed to make right with you. So what God is saying in Deuteronomy 32 verse 35 is that not only is he going to punish the person that needs a good, uh, (laughs) dose of reality and a dose of their own medicine, but also he's going to make sure that the person who got wronged gets a good dose of, um, a good dose of healing. They get a good dose of, um, restoration and a good dose of, you know, things being brought together and being made right. So that's something that's really beautiful. It's really awesome. And I just now noticed that today. So that's why I wanted to share this message with you because it was like, Oh God, that is so perfect. Like I've never looked, I've read that verse a couple times. I've just never looked at it that way. So I love it when he does that. I love it when he gives me a fresh new perspective on something I've already read. Um, I don't know if you ever noticed that as well. So that's awesome if you do. Um, The other one is Isaiah chapter 35 verse 4. And these are all coming from um, the ESV version of the Bible. So whatever version that you're reading, it might say it a little differently. But I'm just going off of ESV. So this one says, and again, in Isaiah chapter 35, verse four, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. So that right there is reassurance that God is telling you, be strong. Don't be afraid. God's going to come. He's going to come through for you. He's going to make sure that person gets what they have coming. Um, but he's also, he's not going to stop there. He's also coming with recompense too. So he's coming with punishment and he's also coming with making amends and making it right. God doesn't, he's not, he's a just God. Okay. He doesn't care about punishing people and leaving them punished. Like, no, that's what hell is for. Okay. Um, we're on earth and while we're on earth, we don't just learn how to make, um, 
make mistakes, we also learn how to make amends. And so with that being said, you get to make all the mistakes you want, but God also expects you to level up and learn from your mistakes and then also not repeat them and also learn how to get past being uncomfortable and learn how to apologize and learn how to um, do the right thing, even when it doesn't feel comfortable or even when it feels awkward or it feels whatever it is that you feel at that time. Like God is telling you that it's going to happen. And then the, the last part, I love it, is he says he will come and save you. So that is a guaranteed promise that he's saying that, you know, at the right time, like you have no reason to be anxious, you know, because God is going to do what he says he's going to do. He's going to come and save you. He's going to save you from that pressure or save you from that tension. He's going to save you um, from that experience or save you from going another day, you know, dealing with the same old, same old. Like he wants new things for you. And that's why it's so important that you don't stay stuck or stagnant with where you're at when God's calling you to move on or to move forward. Because if you don't, excuse me, then you are going to feel frustrated. You are going to feel overwhelmed. You are going to feel like you're missing out or like you are, I don't know, like there's just something better out there. That's not always the case, but if this is, like I said, dealing with someone who has already clearly a thousand percent shown you that they do not want to change, they don't want to grow up, they don't want to do things better or make things right, then what other choice do you have? You're basically being told firsthand, this is how it's going to be and this is what it looks like while you're with this person. So if you don't, if they're not going to change, then that's why God says he's coming with vengeance, punishment, for that person, but he's also wanting to bring recompense or making amends between you and that person so that you can get your healing, you can get your closure, you can move forward. Um, Sometimes, again, that closure comes one-on-one, face-to-face. Sometimes it just comes with you having to accept that this person isn't going to talk to you and things aren't going to change and that is that and you just got to keep it moving. Like you just got to move forward. You can cry it out, scream it out. For some of you, you might still cuss it out, but (laughs) basically God wants you to know that healing does come and he will save you from that nightmare, save you from the dullness of living the same type of life day in and day out and getting nowhere. Um, The last one that I chose for how God, well, basically God and revenge. um, It's basically just how God is looking at revenge. Um, This is just what he's revealed to me. Um, And this is in Romans chapter 11, verse nine. And it says, and David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. So if y'all have ever heard of the phrase, (laughs) when the tables turn, (laughs) that's pretty much right there. That's pretty much what it means. So, you know, God says he he prepares a table or a feast um, in front of your enemies. So when it's ready to eat, time to eat, basically he's, your enemies get to see you Uh, living your best life and being your best. And they're just at the table to watch pretty much. So something that goes along with that is kind of like what this verse is saying is let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. So retribution, what does that word mean? 
Well, that one means punishment inflicted on someone as vengeance, punishment, for a wrong or criminal act. So, basically, and David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and, if I can find it again, and a punishment for them. So whatever your enemy has done where maybe they thought they were going to pull one over on you or they thought they can outsmart you or trick you or um, lie to you or do whatever, basically they think they're getting away with something. They think that they're going to be able to not get punished for it. And God's like, nope, you know, like that table's going to turn and what you set up for someone else is going to come back and bite you. It's going to, you're going to be the one to fall into that pit or that trap that you set for someone else. So that is why God will deal with them accordingly to whatever it is that they have done. So what does that mean for you and myself in the meantime, while God is punishing your enemy or punishing the person that has done you wrong? Um, as he is giving you your vengeance. Well, first of all, we are children of God. We are not children of the world or of the devil. You know, like we should not be rejoicing or getting happy that um, God is tending to that person. You know, if we are a child of God, then we are to be forgiving. We are to be kind. We are still to be praying for these people. Like, you know, they still need our prayers. They still need... um I don't know how to say it. The biggest part is, is your heart. God wants to make sure that your heart is in the right place, even when he takes care of your enemies, even when he does pull off the impossible, even when he does um, turn the tables on them. He doesn't want to turn the tables on them and then your heart be turned against God and fall back into worldly ways of thinking or behaving just because someone's getting stuff handed to them that they had coming. So what verses go along with this? Uh, Proverbs 24, verse 17. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. So if you are a reflection of God and Christ, then you need to display that. You know, you need to display mercy. You need to display forgiveness. If you're over there snickering, laughing, uh, mocking or um, pointing fingers at the person who did you wrong and making them feel worse or making them feel embarrassed or whatever, that's not very godly behavior. You know, and the sad part is God didn't, God's not getting that person back just to make you laugh or smile. God's getting that person back because he is a fair, just God and he tends to every single person that he created. And that includes you. So if he, if he's over there correcting this person who did you wrong and you're over there making it worse by trying to make that person feel bad or um, even more, or if you're trying to, I don't know, if you're over there cutting back laughing or smiling or whatever, mocking them because you got, you know, you got help from God, God's going to have to turn, he's going to have to turn back to you and he's going to have to call you out. He's going to have to, you know, straighten you out as well because he doesn't want that behavior. 
So just something to keep in mind of how to act while God punishes your enemy. Um, Another one is Ephesians chapter four, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Well, that one's pretty straightforward. So, I mean, obviously, if you have an enemy who tried to kill you or hurt you to that degree, you don't need to be spending time with them. You don't need to be checking in with them or anything like that. This is a, a an opportunity for you to be kind as far as to be kind in your heart, uh, tenderhearted, and to forgive another person uh, because God has forgiven you. And to do this, you can do this in your heart. You can speak it out loud without being around that person who did you terribly wrong. Um, I went through a situation, which I can't actually say on this platform because I think it's against the rules, but I went through, um, or at least their policy or something. I went through a really bad situation where I could have gone to prison because the way I wanted to get revenge on this person would have involved a gun and it would have involved, you know, shooting them and it wouldn't have been good. And it was because I had a lot of anger towards this person because they did me really wrong. And even though that person and I do not talk whatsoever to this day, the point is, is that I had to learn how to forgive him without him asking for my forgiveness and how to accept an apology by someone who never asked or who, by someone who never said they were sorry to begin with. So that was really hard to do. So you might be in that situation. But if it's not in a situation where this person is attempted to, to kill you or hurt you or anything like that, then, you know, to be kind to one another is, you know, maybe you guys are coworkers or something and this person, um, I don't even know an example on this one. I'm really tired. Sorry, guys. But if they're, if they just, uh, maybe they took your parking spot or something at work and they knew that you parked there every day and they did it just to make you mad. So that's what I'm saying is like, you know, don't get them back by repaying evil with evil. You repay evil with good. And that's in Romans, I believe chapter 12. Um, I don't know if it's chapter 12, verse 12, but, um, anyways, God just wants you to be able to forgive that person. Maybe you guys can have a conversation uh, on your lunch break and you can just let that person know that, hey, you know what? Um, I'm not going to hold it against you. It does irritate me that, you know, you took my parking spot, but you know what? It's just a parking spot and there's going to be plenty of other ones. So it's not you not being assertive or anything. It's just... (sighs) If this person were to see that it really didn't bother you as much and they were to see that you are the kind person that you are, more than likely they may actually feel really bad about what they did. And if they don't, well, God, you already know what's going to happen. God's going to deal with them. And then you'll get your parking spot back. But <laughs> but basically all in all is if you have an opportunity to forgive someone and be kind to them in person after they've done you wrong, then do so. Because you know, a kind thing can really make a lot of wrongs kind of fade away. It's the power of uh, the gospel right there. And then another one, and this is actually what ties into that, is Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
that's 14. And then chapter 6, verse 15 is, But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So that one's pretty self-explanatory. Either you forgive the person like Christ forgave you, or you don't forgive this person, and God's not going to forgive you until you forgive that person. Forgiveness is a very big essential key in spiritual growth and growth as an individual and just being able to move forward and having peace in your heart. If you are not able to forgive, then that's why you still have a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger, a lot of uh, jealousy, or a lot of just built up tension and resentment towards someone because the only way to get rid of it is either to ask God to help you cast it out um, and to repent and to pray it out or you're just going to have to um, basically if you can just forgive the person and really mean it genuinely mean it um, you'll just you'll feel it like you'll just feel all that tension all that anger and everything just kind of like slip away it just kind of like falls off of you so that's your way of handling that I guess Um, the last thing that God says about this is when he's while he is dealing with your enemy like how to act is, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's Matthew chapter five, verse 44. And this one, I have grown so much in this area because I used to think what's praying going to do about it. Like if this person did me wrong, why should I pray for them? They don't care about me, that kind of thing. (laughs) And what God revealed to me is that they don't know God the way that I know God. Like they don't know that prayer is so powerful and impactful that they don't even realize that um, them having a desire to apologize to you could be a simple fact that you are praying for that to happen. Like literally you are, your prayers are that powerful. You know, if it's matching up with God's will over your life and it's if it's to bless the kingdom and to bless others um, and it's not for selfish gain, like there's nothing selfish about wanting healing. There's nothing selfish about wanting restoration. There's nothing selfish about um, wanting others to be led to Christ or wanting others to do the right thing. There's nothing selfish about it. So if you're praying over your enemy, you're praying that they leave you alone. You're praying that they have a kinder heart, if you're praying that God will allow circumstances in their life to cause them to turn to Christ, that is so beautiful. And it's so impactful because like God, he's going to hear that. And he, you may or may not get to see this person come to Christ. You may or may not get to see this person change, but after everything that they've done to you, everything that they've said to you, everything that they put you through, in time, because you got to realize everything that you're doing, it's not in vain. It's not forgotten. God had you linked up with this person or involved or around this person for a reason. You know, it goes back to the sowing of the seeds. Like God, he's taken you and he planted you in this area for a while because he's, or a season, he's got you in around this person because either you are, you know, planting Um, or you are watering. So if you're planting something, you know, it's probably going to be there for a while, but if it's, if you're watering, um, excuse me, if you're planting seeds, it means that it's brand new. So maybe you might be a breakthrough for someone, a a 
breath of fresh air. You might be uh, new to this person, like as far as like your thinking and your perspectives, and you might be challenging them to think a little differently. And it can be intimidating for that person. So they might resist you. But, <laughs> but overall, like, you know, like you are that farmer that is planting seeds of truth and seeds of faith and in you're casting out doubt you're casting out worry and you have to break up the ground in order to get the seed in there you can't just put the seed on there on the soil it'll dry up and that's for a whole nother uh a whole nother episode but the point is is that god when he sends you into other people's lives not just to be blessed but to be a blessing you know, that includes what you speak about, you know, it's not just, uh, the lessons that you're teaching someone through lectures or sermons or, um, quotes or anything like that. Like those are all amazing things. Sometimes it's just those heartfelt moments of, I'm sorry, I forgive you. It's okay. Um, you know what, we'll get it better next time. You know, like, let's try again. Like, those are the things that those are, um, that's sowing grace right there. And in today's world, it's very, very, very rare. Um, you might hear it a lot, but I mean, as far as for it to be sincerely, uh, meant now that's what's rare because a lot of people could say it, but not a lot of people will mean it. So when God has you planting seeds into this person, you know, hopefully those seeds will grow. And this is why when seasons change and people come and go out of your life, um, you may not, as a planter, you may not always get to see the result of the seeds that you planted. You may not always get to see, um, you know, the fruit of the labor that you put in on that. And then that's where someone else comes in. So this is where when when God has you dealing with someone who's been so resilient and so um, stubborn and it just seems like it is back-breaking work to get this person to listen to you or to notice what you're saying or to understand what you're saying, it's like you're breaking that ground and it, you feel like you're breaking your back in the process because it's like you, you don't know if anything's even going to grow. You just don't. So basically, the person who waters... <laughs> comes along um into this person's life everything all the hard work that you just did all they do is they go in and they might they might say the same exact things you did but because you did the work first because you planted now this person's job is easier because all they have to do is water they just have to remind this person hey you're doing a good job or hey you know you probably shouldn't do that remember what happened last time they don't have to speak as much they don't have to do as much because why? Someone else already did a crap ton of work before them. So now they're basically reaping benefits and the harvest of something they didn't even plant, which means they get to experience that new and cha new changed version of that person that used to be at one point so stubborn and so difficult to be around. So I don't know if the, who this is for, but this is who this is what God wanted me to talk about today. Um, I almost wasn't going to do it just because I was really really tired, but you know God gave me the grace to do it. So I highly apologize if I sound very monotone or very just like, uh, you know, like I'm just dragging. I'm not gonna lie, I am. <laughs> so, but I'm trying to pull through and just do it. 
I'm trying to be as obedient as I can. Like I said, y'all already know I've had this, this platform for a year and I've been struggling to try to get it to my goal, which is to do it daily. But like I said, when God wants me to do it, I'm learning to get better at just jumping on here and doing it. But anyways, so yeah, if you are a planter, don't be shocked if, I mean, if you think about it, if you're going to till the ground, it's kind of backbreaking work. Like it's not easy. It's difficult. The ground's never been worked and you have to break it up in order to get the seed to get in there. <sighs> There's going to be moments and seasons of your life when you are pl the planter and you are doing that kind of work in someone's heart. Like you have to break up um, the way that they think or the way that they do and you have to challenge them a bit so that the, the person that comes in after you who does the watering doesn't have to do all that work. And that's why sometimes, depending on the season you're in and who God has you around, sometimes you are the planter and sometimes you just are the, the person watering. You're just pouring over nutrients and reminders and life just gets a lot more easier in that season and you get to reap the benefits of things that you did not sow so like I said don't know who this is for but uh also that is why God wants you to forgive others often and make amends often because just like this person made their fair share of mistakes and God went after them to correct them and get them on the right track. Keep in mind, God is a just God and he will do the same exact technique to you. Now you may have different trials and different circumstances and you may have experienced these circumstances in different ages um, of your life, but overall God's main point is the condition of your heart. You know, is it going to produce good fruit or bad fruit? Is it going to be a servant of the Lord or is it going to serve the flesh and do what the fleshly desires want to do? So again, love you guys. Don't know who this is for, but this is Miranda Hughes with Faith Strong and I will see you next time. All right. Bye.